Welcome to season two of the Paper Talk podcast, where we have candid conversations with artists and industry leaders from around the world. Our goal is to share knowledge, connect our community, and elevate the artistry of our craft. Hi, I'm Jesse Chu. Hello, I am Quinn Wynn, and we are the founders of the Paper Floors Collective. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 36 of Paper Talk. Today, we're talking to Farron Haygood of Farron Celeste. Hi, Farron. How are you? Hi, Jesse and Quinn. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome to finally meet you. I think it's really amazing that we're able to all get together via this one platform when you're in Canada, Quinn's in Seattle, and I'm all the way in the Netherlands. So it's really great that we can all get together and talk. I know. And it's so funny. I had no idea Farron lived in Seattle. She actually lived probably down the street from me. And yeah, we were in the Netherlands. <laughs> yeah, we were neighbors. It makes me so sad that we didn't get to meet before we moved. But uh, we're just here on expat assignment. So we'll be back to Seattle. So when I move back to Seattle, we'll have to to get together for sure. Yay, I'm so excited. <laughs> well, speaking of which, how did you get relocated to the Netherlands? So we moved for my husband's job. So we were originally from Atlanta, Georgia. His job moved us to Seattle. We were in Seattle for three years and then they gave us one day called us up and asked, hey, how about an expat assignment in the Netherlands? So we said, sure. So we moved with our dog, Callie, and we've been living in the Netherlands for about a year and a half now. How much longer are you going to be there? We think probably two to three years. The whole assignment itself could be five years. That is how long our visas are eligible for. So and typically, once you hit that five-year mark, they'll move you back just because everything gets complicated with taxes and all those kinds of things. So um, we'll probably be back to Seattle, I would think, probably in the next couple of years. But in the meantime, we really have enjoyed the experience. Neither one of us had really even been to Europe before we moved here to the Netherlands. And on our weekends, we try to utilize utilize our free time as much as we can and travel and and see as much as we can. So overall, it's been a really good experience. The the day-to-day can be a little challenging. Uh, If you don't know where the Netherlands is, it's a little tiny country in between Belgium and Germany. They speak Dutch. I do not speak Dutch. (laughs) So (laughs) it can be a little bit of a challenge sometimes. Almost everyone here speaks English, but you know, everything else is in Dutch. The grocery store, everything's in Dutch. So it can be, it can be a quite an adventure on a day-to-day basis sometimes. (laughs) It must be somewhat lonely as well. Yeah, um, it can be. So I work from home and, you know, most of my work involves a cutting machine. So it's not like I can take my cutting machine to the cafe. I mean, that would be really awkward. (laughs) (laughs) I am am at home a lot, but I do try to get out. I've thankfully there are some creative groups here. So there's a chapter of the Rising Tide Society that meets here. So I've been able to go to some of their monthly meetups. And through that, I've met some other creative business owners. And so I will go and have coffee with them or meet up with them for a co-working day. So and you know, even just from Instagram, by just posting pictures on Instagram and tagging the location, I've met some other creatives that are local to the Netherlands. I even met an, a local paper flower artist the other day. So it's amazing how you can connect and meet people just by tagging your location on social media. Yeah, definitely. I do that quite a bit with my posts. I find it really helpful and so great to network and meet other people and future customers too, because yeah. they're always looking for somebody that lives in their area. Yeah. And it's been really helpful to me because, you know, I am new here in 
I oftentimes don't know where to look for things. So sometimes I've even just mentioned on my story, oh, I'm looking for something and someone that follows me that lives here in the Netherlands who isn't even a paper florist, they'll, they'll just know exactly what I'm talking about and they'll message me and say, oh, I bet you could find it here. You could find it there. So it's been really, really helpful. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us, what were you before you became a paper florist? Um, so I was actually a registered nurse. So I have always been creative though. So I, when I was working as a nurse, it was kind of during that time of my life and my friends' lives where everyone was getting married and everyone was starting to have babies. So I would kind of use my creativity and my cutting machines to make party decor on the side for these special events for the baby showers and bridal showers. And I really enjoyed it. And then just by doing that, I kind of started developing a little bit of a business just through word of mouth. And then when we moved to Seattle, I started making it kind of more of a side hustle. And then eventually that has led to what I'm doing today. So it's been a little bit of a journey. Um, When we moved to the Netherlands, it gave me the opportunity to take a break from nursing. So I'm not working as a nurse over here just because when I was a nurse, I always did things like ICU intensive care. I worked in anesthesia recovery and those aren't really areas you can work in in a hospital where you don't speak the language. Yes, that must be so difficult. (laughs) So awesome. So I know right now that you have an Etsy shop and Mm -hmm. that's one of the things I really want to talk with or discuss with you about how do you run your Etsy shop, especially with all the changes they've done in the past year. It's It's a platform now that I don't really use very much because it's been so unattractive for me to use their platform. What's your thought on it? So right now Etsy works for me because I only sell digital cut files. So I'm just selling the digital templates to make things like paper flowers and invitations. So for the reason why I chose Etsy is because I needed a platform that was very user-friendly and just approachable and easy to get started on. So, you know, after you spend all this time developing the templates and learning all these new skills, to start a business. I just launched in August of 2019. So I've only been in business for a few months. So I just needed something that I could, I know was trusted and I could list digital product and I knew it would work and it was user-friendly to set it up. But my thought process going into Etsy was I truly view it as just a platform to be able to sell my goods. I do not expect Etsy to bring me sales. But, you know, the benefit of being on Etsy is that they're supposed to have an existing customer base that essentially you could go ahead and just list your stuff on Etsy and sit back and potentially make a sale. But that has not been my experience. Every sale that I have gotten from Etsy is from my marketing efforts on social media. So I would say that... Sorry, I just want to... Yeah. Cut in. How do you know where your customers come from? I mean, I would have just assumed it was from Etsy, but how did you find out? So I've kind of been running some testing on that. So in around Christmas time, I did a Black Friday sale. I had released, went ahead and released a couple of Christmas cards and I had some, just some new templates in there. And what I did is I went on Instagram. And I was the only place I posted anything about my Black Friday sale. And you had to have the coupon code that I posted on the Black Friday sale from Instagram. I didn't post it anywhere else. So literally all my sales that I got that whole weekend, every single customer used that Black Friday coupon. So at least in that weekend, Etsy did not bring me any sales whatsoever. And that's when a lot of time or traffic would be on 
Etsy to begin with, I would think. And then also when you go into your, there's a place in Etsy where it shows you your insights that you can see how much traffic has been brought to Etsy from search or from social media. And mine is like 70% social media traffic. So it's possible I might have gotten maybe one or two sales from Etsy search, but I would... I'm very comfortable thinking and assuming that it's about, I would assume probably 90% at least of my sales have come from me posting on social media. Yeah, I have the same thing too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is there an algorithm in terms of, you know, how long you've been on Etsy, where they might place you? I'm just asking as I'm curious. You know, I'm not sure. I think, I do think that people who utilize the features that are essentially you're going to be paying Etsy more money. Like if you're subscribed to Etsy plus, I am subscribed to that just because I get the listings for free that, and it cancels itself out based on however many I you typically sell enough listings a month where that is a beneficial thing for me to have. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know if being on there a longer amount of time helps. I think probably eventually it does because by that point, your story becomes more established. You get more reviews, you know, yeah, customers. Because I ask on. because I know that a lot of people have had success on Etsy. I mean, yeah. Priscilla, like that's a great example. Priscilla Park. I mean, she mm-hmm. lived like all of her sales yeah. are on Etsy and it's and, and she does amazingly well. Yeah on it as well. That's our intern, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sorry. That's our intern, Killian. (laughs) There's going to be moments where we just cut him out. So if you hear any crying or any talking in the background, it's our little guy, our little mascot. (laughs) But you know, surprisingly, I actually was, when Etsy Plus came out, I did a lot of research on it. And also they had came out and said that if you subscribe to Etsy Plus, it did not change your ranking at all on how much the algorithm that you, your store would be seeing more than someone that would subscribe and pay for Etsy Plus. But I don't know. I did pay for the Etsy Plus. But mm-hmm. I felt like it didn't really do very much. And then they came out with the free shipping. So you had to offer free shipping. And then that was when I was like, getting a little bit upset with them. Because if you didn't do the free shipping, then your store would not be seen in the search which I thought was really unfair because shipping, I mean, someone has to pay for it and it's usually us that has to pay for it. And so it's kind of painful that we have to bump our price, reflect the shipping, even though we're offering free shipping. It's like you have to hide it somewhere. So that would seem really unfair to me. Yeah, I completely agree. And thankfully for me, it doesn't really affect me because I'm just selling digital products. It's automatically qualifies for the free shipping. The advantage I have is that if I do eventually get back into physical product, it would be where I know that going in. So I can just set my prices to include the free shipping and the customer would be none the wiser because, you know, I'm just starting with a higher price point. But I do think it's really unfair for existing shops because, you know, a big bouquet of a wedding bouquet of paper flowers is going to, it's not going to be very heavy, but that's going to take a big box to ship. And as soon as your box size goes up, that's instantly more expensive shipping. Exactly. Yeah. Like a box 24 by 12, you're looking at least $50 in shipping. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can hide easily. Yeah. You know, if it was one of those things where, you know, somehow through the platform, you just got crazy discounted rates, then maybe I could see it being, you know, offering that free shipping option, but it just doesn't really seem fair to put that on, on the business owner. It's, I know. Yeah. It's really unfortunate. 
the way mm-hmm. that Etsy has evolved. Yeah. But let's talk about your digital downloads. Tell us more how you became to be focusing more on PDF and SVGs for these particular cutting machines. So it's kind of funny because I never intended on selling the actual templates. So I started out, you know, by making the physical paper products. And when we moved to the Netherlands, I had to completely pivot because when I was making the physical product, I was, I had developed a little bit of a customer base. I was having repeat customers. And then all of a sudden I'm living on the other side of the world where I can't source the materials that I'm used to sourcing. I have no idea how to ship something. I mean, I can barely go to the grocery store and figure out what I need to buy there. You know, just simple things like that are completely overwhelming when you're living somewhere where you don't speak the language. And, you know, my customers, again, with the free shipping, if people are used to Amazon, on Prime and getting free shipping on Etsy, they're not going to pay international shipping. So exactly. I, I had to completely pivot. And that's when I decided to sell the templates because when I was posting all of my physical product, I would post it on Instagram and I would always get comments from other people that had Cricut or Silhouette cutting machines wanting to know, well, how did you make that? That looks so like so much fun. And at first I thought, well, that's kind of bold <laughs> to ask me how, how I made this thing that took me forever to figure out. But what I realized was, is that I was stealing joy from these people that are creative like me. They half the fun is learning how to make it yourself. There's always going to be that kind of person, which I relate to as someone that they'll either look at it and say, okay, I could buy it already made, or they want to look at it and say, no, I want to learn how to make it myself because it brings me joy and it's therapeutic and it's fun to sit there and learn how to make something. So that's how I transitioned into selling the digital products. So it wasn't something that I had intended, (laughs) originally intended to do, but now I'm really glad that I have. And it's been a great transition because now it takes a lot of time to create the files up front and all the video tutorials that go with them. But once they're out there, then it's just passive income. I can be, you know, in a different country on the weekend. I can be, we can be in Paris and an order will come in. I don't have to do anything. (laughs) Yay. I love that so much. (laughs) So when they buy, let's say they buy a product from you, what do they actually get besides the PDF and SVG files? So I actually offer it just as SVG files. I don't offer the PDF just because some of the parts of the templates, especially on a paper flower like the anemone, there's just no way you'd be able to cut it by hand. So it'd be really disappointing for someone to get that as a PDF and not be able to cut it by hand. But with the SVG comes a video tutorial that teaches people how to use the template with their cutting machine. So I've got one in there for Cricut Design Space, which is a software that goes with Cricut. I also have a video tutorial that for Silhouette Studio, the software that goes with the Silhouette Cameo. And then there's also a video tutorial that shows them how to assemble the flower. And then there is also a PDF material guide where I list all of my favorite papers and links to where they can buy them if they're interested in that. But if they want to shop locally, I, I write all the weights of the papers in there. So that way they have kind of a reference of where they could find that, that locally too. And you mainly use just cardstock and not Cricut? Right. It's all cardstock because I just have a Cricut Explorer Air. I don't have the Cricut Maker. The Cricut Maker has the ability to cut crate paper, but the regular Explore Air doesn't. And I don't believe the Cameo can cut crate paper either. And I really like being able to cut all my petals with a cutting machine. I do not have the patience 
seconds to cut them by hand. You guys are amazing. <laughs> you cut all of your flowers by hand and you also assemble each and every petal. I don't have the patience for that. So I design all my templates where they can be cut by the Cricut. And then also a lot of the petals are already kind of connected. So it's more about kind of just shaping the paper and assembling the flower rather than each adding each individual individual petal. And what's fun about that is that I do think it makes them a little bit more approachable for someone who is brand new to making paper flowers. Do you find your your customer base tends to be in Europe or in the States or some, I, I'm just wondering where it, where like the silhouette and where the Cricut are available. So most of my customer base is still in the States and Canada. And recently I've been getting a few more customers from Australia and the UK. So still mainly from your English speaking countries. But recently I have been seeing more orders coming in through Belgium and Switzerland. So a few, and I think I had one from France last week. So a couple. Do you think it's because you're living in the Netherlands and you're tagging? Yeah. So I, and I think it's also because of my VPN, I think just, you know, they know that I'm here in the Netherlands. So it's automatically just going to kind of reach people that are a little bit more local to me as well. Now that's been, it's been really fun having a wider customer base because, you know, a couple of them will message me and they'll ask me, you know, just questions about paper because I am still having to source I source still all of my materials from the States. Whenever I go home, I just fill a whole big old suitcase worth of paper and fly it back <laughs> with me. Um, so I've been able to kind of talk to locals and kind of help them find papers here that are at least similar that I've been able to find locally. So I know you're really big on Instagram. Tell us about some of the strategies and how you're getting your work seen by other people. So... A few things with Instagram. If you are not utilizing video, you need to be. And I know that that can be really overwhelming because it is hard enough to come up with just still pictures to put on the feed and be able to post consistently. But I've really found that video is tends to get more views and more engagement. So an easy way to start with that is just by doing small clips that you post on your Instagram story. So maybe you just, and I film everything with my phone. So maybe you just kind of do a quick little video of what you're working on that day. And then from there, you can try to start recording, you know, longer videos. If you're afraid to, you don't want to put all your technique out there, you can always do a time lapse where it shows it a lot faster, just like a quick time lapse of your hands working on something, or you could do just a little segment of maybe you're coloring a flower or something like that. But I've definitely noticed that the video has been has been the biggest driver, I think, in as far as getting more engagement on my feed. And then another trick that I have been really utilizing recently is really spend a lot of time thinking about your hashtags. The last probably 1500 followers that I've gotten have all purely come from hashtags. I have not gotten any features recently on other people's Instagram accounts, which are usually that's where you get the most followers at first is if you have a big feature on another account that has more followers and you usually see a big rise in your follower account. But I haven't got any features recently and I've grown by about 1500. So all of that's come from hashtags. So you have to think about not a hashtag that 
you like to follow. For example, I love following Paper Not Picked and hashtag Paper Florist. I love seeing all the pictures underneath that hashtag. But someone that is searching for paper flowers as a gift, or maybe they don't even know what paper flowers are, they're not going to be looking under hashtag Paper Florist. They might be looking for you know, Valentine's Day gift or something like that. So you kind of have to exactly. think of your hashtags. Think like a yeah, customer. think like a customer. So for me in the cutting machine space with the Cricut and the Silhouette, I like to use the hashtags that go with those machines a lot too. And I get in front of more people that have crickets and silhouettes that way as well. So, but then at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand followers, if you're not driving traffic to your store, it doesn't matter unless, unless you know how to monetize your Instagram. I haven't figured that out (laughs) yet. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's all about trying first to get people, you know, interested in what you're doing and then eventually kind of trying to get them to your store, which can be hard sometimes. (laughs) So what is your target customer and how do you go about raising or putting a post together that attracts the right customer that will buy for you? So my target customer is someone that has a Cricut or a Silhouette cutting machine and someone who enjoys making something by hand. So I have found on Instagram that I kind of, I kind of use kind of three categories in when I'm trying to come up with ideas for posts, uh, ones that are either inspiring, entertaining, or educational. So something that might be inspiring, I started this little series called hashtag traveling paper flowers, (laughs) where I make little bouquets or just different paper flowers. And when we travel somewhere, I'll hold them up and take a picture of them. So, and those have done well when I've, when I've had the time to, to make those posts. So if you look up travel, hashtag traveling paper flowers on Instagram, you can see some of the ones I've done. Something educational would be when I talk about some suggestions for picking out cardstock and then something what was entertaining would be, I usually kind of use my Instagram stories for something entertaining and that doesn't even have to be anything related to your product. So I, a lot of times will use my stories about just daily life in the Netherlands and how I'm struggling trying to ride my bike everywhere like the Dutch people do, or, you know, just something entertaining, you know, or I'll do something, for example, the videos, like I was talking about earlier, those are really fun for people to watch. Just something for them while they're scrolling that catches their eye and makes them want to stop and look. And then eventually the more I think that they see your content over time. It's kind of like a little friendly reminder in the back of their head the next time they do need a gift or they want to take some time and make something for fun. They'll hopefully have, you know, your feed and what you offer in the back of their mind. I love that. That's really, really good. (laughs) Do you utilize um, IGTV at all? Yeah, I do. So I've done a few IGTV videos. I have found, you know, I'll be honest though, I, those I think don't do as well as the ones when you just put it in your feed. I think a shorter format video is still what people like to watch because it's quick. If I do do an IGTV video, I originally posted some that were pretty long, you know, using almost that whole 10 minutes. And I have found that if I keep it more two to three minutes, they'll get more views because I know even my own user habits when I'm, you know, scrolling and I see an IGTV or TV video and I'll click on, I'll be interested in it. And then it'll pop up, keep watching. And I'll be like, well, how long is left in this thing? And if it's going to be a nine or 10 minute video, I'll probably just move on. But if it's only another 30 seconds or another minute, then yeah, I'll stick around to watch 
the rest of that, sure. that video. I find that's reflected in the insights. That's a very good I remember point. checking out my IGTV yeah. and you can yeah. actually see the graph, you know, yeah. it peaks and then exactly. it really plateaus and then it drops <laughs> drastically. So it just tells you how short <laughs> people's attention spans are. Yeah. But like you said, even like, what would you do? What would you watch or how much would you watch of someone else's? I think that's mm-hmm. a good indicator of what, mm-hmm. you know, might interest your followers. I do think it's, I mean, I think it was one of the scenes that, Instagram, it's of an opportunity there still. I do think it's important to utilize it. They've put it there. So there's a reason why it's there. I think it's a good idea to kind of do a mix, like maybe do an IGTV video, maybe do a story, maybe do just a regular post and then maybe a video on your post, just kind of mix it up a little bit. And then also too, if you kind of mix up these different pieces of content, you can use, you know, one flower and use it over and over for five different pieces of content. You don't always have to be coming exactly. up with something, something new. Are you using TikTok? Am I using TikTok? <laughs> yes, I yes. am using TikTok. <laughs> I just, I just got on the TikTok bandwagon. And let me tell you, TikTok is its own, own universe. <laughs> and it really is. It's a different group of people, yeah. but it's so entertaining. Oh my gosh. <laughs> TikTok is, is very addicting. And when you first, this, these are my first initial tic, un, unfiltered opinions of TikTok when I first got on it. <laughs> I was, at first I was scrolling and I thought to myself, what is happening? I said, okay, so basically, <laughs> basically it's a compilation of teenagers that are going to peak <laughs> in high school. That, you know, yes. and and then I kept scrolling, and then I started seeing the themes and kind of the you know the jokes that it's kind of a there's a lot of inside jokes on TikTok. You kind of start seeing you know the same videos over and over again. And then I start thinking to myself, no, these teenagers are actually hysterical. They are so funny. They are so creative. And then you know as you keep scrolling, you start seeing you know people of all ages and just all this really funny content and I started liking all the dog and cat videos and now it shows me lots of dog and cat videos. (laughs) That's the thing that was the thing with TikTok though I think is so amazing. Their algorithm is so smart. If you see something on TikTok that you're like, ooh, that's really inappropriate. I don't want to see it. Just swipe up and do engage on the things you do want to see and it'll start learning. And so I it's not often that I see anything super scandalous on there anymore. They're but they'll show me a dog or a cat video but you know they start learning kind of what your what your preferences are yeah you know what the most interesting thing about tiktok for me is how much money you can actually make from tiktok oh, yeah? i was blown away by it i'm like what okay, how do you make, how do you make money so Sorry. i'm interested in that i have no idea how you, you have that. no idea oh my gosh let me okay this is the most interesting thing is like, so TikTok shifts your brain to something else. So instead of throwing money at people who entertain you, they put it into a different platform. So you buy credit into TikTok and then they call it like diamonds and drama queens and all this stuff. And then if you watch very carefully to some of the entertainers, they'll put out there, hey, if you want me to do such and such, throw me a drama queen, which is 50 bucks. And they're throwing because at this point, they've already brought all these credit and just sitting in their account. They just start throwing money at you. And apparently, I know, it's kind of free. Really, you see all these hearts and these rainbows and these vomits of rainbows. And it's all about, and they're just giving money. So how TikTok makes money is you buy these credits, you get 50% of it, and then TikTok gets 50% of it. So when somebody throws you $50, you're getting $25, and TikTok's giving $25. 
Oh, wow. But the really interesting part is you can't withdraw the money out until you reach it at a certain cap. And so they gain interest as the money is sitting there. So it's like so interesting to me. I, I'm like, I had, to learn more about I had, it. I, had, I didn't realize that people were doing that on TikTok. I knew, I was seeing just, you know, you see some of these accounts that have become so big so quickly. And so I thought it was going to turn more into, you know, like a hashtag ad, hashtag sponsored kind of thing. So that's really, really interesting. I've only posted a few videos on TikTok and it's really interesting. Now I'll just tell you kind of what my experience has been so far. Have you posted any videos on TikTok or I have no. what, <laughs> I the, what type of people actually go on TikTok? Like, is it the right market? Oh my gosh. So that's also, it is all sorts it of It is. It's, that's also what I've been wondering and I'm yeah. out. Cause at first I thought, oh my gosh, it's all teenagers. They're going <laughs> to see me and they're going to think they're going to be like, okay, boomer. And I'm only 32, <laughs> you know? And so it's kind of funny. So I, you know, I just started posting some of the little paper flower videos that I have already had, just kind of put them up there. I put a couple of videos of my dog, Callie. And, you know, I started with zero followers. I just started posting like a couple weeks ago. Started with zero followers. I haven't told anybody about it on my Instagram or anything. And I I had one video that I posted on there that was actually from the summer. It's a video of me. It was from a story that I had done one day. I tried to ride my bike to the flower market here in the Netherlands. Everyone rides bikes everywhere. It's amazing. You'll see these mamas riding with a baby on the front strapped into a little seat on their bike, a toddler in the back, and they'll be balancing grocery bags off their handlebars. They are amazing bikers. So I thought to myself, it's like Asia. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I can do this. So I got on my bike. I pedaled to the flower market because I was buying some fresh flowers to try out making some new paper flowers. But I got to the market and I bought sunflowers and I completely forgot about the fact that sunflower stems are very long. So I could not fit them in my basket. So I struggled to get them home because I was carrying them under one arm and I just do not have the balance to do the whole one arm <laughs> bike thing. Right? So anyways, I did this as a story on Instagram. I had it saved for when I did it on a story. On Instagram, people thought it was funny. So I just compiled it all together in a quick little video and I posted on TikTok. I posted what's today? Tuesday. I posted it on Friday. Let's see how many views it has now. It, ha it got 42,000 views. Holy. Yeah. From It's just from people in the Netherlands. I think that's where it targeted. <laughs> it must have gotten a lot of people's For You pages because they thought it was funny. And I grew to 472 followers. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just from one video. So that's not like a huge following. You know, I haven't seen it really drive any traffic to my Etsy store, but it'll be just kind of interesting to see for sure, you know, where you, you know, if you're making videos anyways, you might as well just put them up on TikTok. You won't get the same type of traction in, on Instagram for sure. No, you know, mm -mm. and especially mm -mm. if you're, if you have no following, <laughs> I mean, if you've got exactly. following, then they tend to think that you're important and they'll, you know, they'll share your, your, your posts more. But if you've got no following, Instagram doesn't do anything for you. You've got to kind of grow yeah. it, but that's amazing. I have not gotten yeah. on TikTok. I, I also thought it was like a teenager kind of thing, like a, <laughs> like, like, you know, 
it's like Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I know Snapchat's not yeah. like that anymore. But. Uh, they talk about Snapchat all the time, and I'm just watching these videos, and I have no idea what you're no. talking about. It's like a different yeah, language. People so old. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's also because like how many like social media accounts can you have and run and like yeah. r- like operate on a consistent basis? I don't think it's realistic yeah. at all to have it's all not. of these things going ongoing and then still be living in the real world, you know, and have yeah. time for the right. real world. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting, right? Because there's people, you, see, you know, that are Instagram content creators or there's YouTube content creators, or now there's TikTok content to creators. And then, you know, me, myself sitting here as a small business owner, you start feeling like this pressure, like you need to be all on all these different platforms and you, you don't. And, but, you know, I do think it's worth just kind of playing around with. If I didn't have any videos already made, I probably would have just thought, mm, I'm just not even going to worry, worry about that. But it, I think it's definitely looking into, especially, I think if you're wanting to kind of create a following and you're brand new, I almost think it might be is easier to do that on TikTok than it would be on Instagram at this point. Uh, Instagram has been really, really mm-hmm. hard to, to grow mm-hmm. recently. I don't know if you guys have felt the same way <laughs> just compared to, just compared to previous, previous years. I don't know. I feel like it's been steady for yeah. me. It's just been a steady, just steady yeah. growth. I mean, I've been growing it very organically, mm-hmm. so I, I don't get the really giant mm-hmm jumps that a lot of people have mine just been steadily I get a few hundred here there every single month yeah and I'm happy with that because I love engaging with my followers actually I think you're right I think it's I noticed and just on comparison of you know a couple of us who started around the same time we have about the same amount of followers so I think that just tells and even though we've been exposed Mm -hmm. to different commissions different we might have been featured on different you know social media accounts Mm -hmm. I think it's just there's a consistent like Quinn said consistent organic growth that every year or every month that you're on you just kind of get Mm -hmm. on average the same amount of following yeah and in a way that's good because if you suddenly Mm -hmm. have a huge surge it does question whether or not those people are loyal followers and actually love what you do Mm -hmm. versus oh they saw you on I don't know on a a, a huge account and they're suddenly just following you but they don't really care you know it's the ones that stick around that's a a really good way of looking at it I would say yeah all my growth recently has been steady and I've been you know a little frustrated by that because you know in previous years you'll get these big jumps but you're right if they're not really good quality followers you're better off to have two followers that are really engaged mm-hmm. and really interested in your product versus a hundred thousand that don't even see your stuff when they log on to the onto the platform. And then exactly. like you and then you also yourself can't don't know where to kind of solve that problem. You've got a hundred thousand mm-hmm. followers. The numbers suggest one thing, but your results don't. And that mm-hmm. in itself is that conundrum is like, how do you then make sure that reflects, you know, the the loyal following? That's really hard. Versus yes. if you've got a smaller mm-hmm. number, you can control that a lot more. You know that the you can grow and those people will grow with you. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I yeah, I, I remember talking to someone and they were just saying, you know, I'm just focusing on the people who really really like my work. You know, the loyal ones. Yeah, and I think that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think yeah. we've talked mm-hmm. a lot about social media. It's been so yeah. interesting. <laughs> I know. I love it. Well, I mean, <laughs> there's so many unique things about it, depending on where you're mm-hmm. at on your, like in your business. So it's been really mm-hmm. interesting hearing from you mm-hmm. about, you know, how you're utilizing it now and how, you know, where you're starting from and your take on Etsy has been really interesting too. I mean, especially since Thank the you. changes. 
Yeah. And you came in yeah. after the changes. So that's been, that's been really enlightening. It's been, it's, you know, it's really nice, you know, as much as we complain about social media or whatever, but it's so nice when you're a brand new business like me, that you have the opportunity to utilize these platforms for free that will drive traffic to your business when you're brand new. You know, if I had started this business, you know, 10 years ago, I don't know that it would have been, you know, as easy as it's been or Mm -hmm. quote unquote easy. Mm -hmm. It's not been easy, but you know, (laughs) but I mean, yeah, the social media has attainable. It lets you to talk Mm -hmm. directly to your market versus like you said, 10 years ago, that probably was not the business plan at all. Like you couldn't do that. Right. Right. Yeah. But yes, mm-hmm. thank you so much yeah. for joining us all the way from the Netherlands. Yeah. I know it's a couple yes. of hours ahead of us here in North America. We will be posting your social media handles actually on the blog post. Um, so if you guys want to learn more about Farron Celeste, make sure you head over to the blog because she's she's just answered our questions to the max. There is so much great information on her blog post about you know how to grow on social media strategies, the business path that she took and what she's done since relocating to the Netherlands from North America. It's just been a really interesting journey and I hope to uh, continue to follow her and see how her journey grows because it sounds like she's really on the great like the great path. Yeah. And I can't wait to see you when you come back to Seattle. Let's get together for coffee. That would be so fun. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 